It's a perfect time to have Wednesdays with Walton as we approach the trade deadline and a lot of these prospects of the Cardinals being talked about as potential trade chips. We're going to get into that with Brian Walton coming up. Hey, if you're currently sideways with the IRS and have years of unfiled tax returns keeping you up at night, make sure that you talk to Mark Milton, STL Tax Lawyer, Mark Milton, stltaxlawyer.com. If you have IRS problems, make sure you call and reach out to Mark Milton. Remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision. It should not be based solely on advertisements. Also brought to you by Ryan Kelly. Purchase market is still fierce out there. Competition crazy. And the moment a house goes on the market, there's 10, 20, 30, 40 offers on it day one. Never been more important that you are working with a strong mortgage lender. Also working with a mortgage lender that has the tools that other mortgage lenders just don't have. So work with the expert, and that's Ryan Kelly at thehomeloanexpert.com. We do this every Wednesday. It's Wednesdays with Walton on Scoops with DannyMac.com. And uh, obviously the big league club is struggling uh, right now out of the gates here in this second half of the season, but there's still plenty of time. Hey, Brian, good uh, good afternoon to you, and always uh, nice to visit with you. Same here, Dan. And the minor leagues took a break uh, last week uh, along with the major leaguers and something different this year in that the uh, full season clubs are not having all-star games that we would normally see at the minor league level. And that's a little bit of a disappointment because it was a good way to see some of the young stars. But everybody's back uh, to playing ball now. Why did they decide to do that? I don't know. Nobody said. But, you know, Major League Baseball took over the minor leagues and they've, you know, they've made a number of changes regarding how the minor leagues are operated. And someone somewhere, probably in minor league or Major League Baseball headquarters, made the determination they weren't going to do that. And uh, the Dominican Summer League, the the Complex League, still played its all-star game as they always did. But uh, the double-A, triple-A, uh, class A, as I've heard, uh, they're not going to have all-star games. And that, you know, they didn't have them last year, too. But, of course, that was, you know, a different environment. And, of course, they didn't have them in 2020 either. So it was something they, you know, got away from due to COVID and other things. But it's a shame they're not coming back, in my opinion. In terms of uh, what was happening with the big league club, uh, you're ready to break the news that Juan Soto is coming to St. Louis. You you wanted to do it on this podcast. I know you did, didn't you, Brian? You know, Dan, uh, it's, a, it's a two-edged sword. Certainly a player <laughs> like Juan Soto – is a player that every team would like to have in their lineup, as Paul Goldsmith said with his dry wit. Um, But the cost to acquire him in players and prospects and in future salary is going to be a tough nut for the Cardinals to crack. And I just don't see them necessarily being the first team in Major League history to give half a billion dollars to a player. And that's what it may take to keep Juan Soto beyond uh, the next two years. Uh, you know, but the Cardinals are mentioned as one of the front runners for Soto because when you look at their farm system, I mean, according to the uh, MLB pipeline and, and Baseball America, they have seven top 100 prospects in baseball right now. And so the Cardinals have the riches to make a trade, but it also is going to hurt, you know, for some if they see a Jordan Walker and or a Mason Wynn or a, or a Michael McGreevy star for years in another uniform. Is there any other team that's close to the seven in the top 100? Have you done any research on that? I haven't, because it's kind of a moving target. You know, everybody adjusts their prospects list each month based on guys graduating to the majors and guys slumping. But I would be surprised if any team has more than seven, because, I mean, you just do the quick math, and you say 30 organizations, a fair share for an organization would be three. And the Cardinals, I think, had four coming into the season. And so, you know, while guys like Gorman and, uh, you know, dropped off, you know, others have come on the back end. Uh, Herrera, and um, uh, Tank and you know some of the guys who are starting to emerge are now you know getting looks nationally too. It's really interesting to see what may happen, whether it's with Juan Soto or, or some of the other names that are that are out there. Um, 
so Brian, the, the the major league draft has come and gone, and the dust has kind of settled, and guys now are getting signed all across the board. Uh, what's your takeaway from what you saw with the Cardinals and the uh, recent draft? Well, certainly the Cardinals went heavy on left-handed pitching, and they went heavy on pitching overall for the second straight year. And kind of how the board fell out is they took left-handers in the first three rounds. And those three uh, pitchers, uh, Cooper Jerpy, Bryson Motts, and Pete Hansen, all uh, um, across the three of them received about 70% of the Cardinals' budget. So, you know, the way the slotting is set up, the top players really get the big money and some of the other players don't. In terms of, of signing, the Cardinals have either 18 or 19 out of the 20 signed, depending on which source you follow. The team's only announced 18, but still, they're in very, very good shape uh, with the August 1st signing deadline coming. And by the way, that August 1st signing deadline is a good thing, I think. It used to be that teams and players had like six weeks to negotiate and it dragged on and on and on this way by august 1st either the player signed or if he's not going to sign then he can enroll in the fall term and you know get ready to go back to school or the players are signed and they can you know get ready to start their play for these group of cardinals that signed the first step is to go to, to down to the florida complex they get evaluations so physically to see where they are because pretty much everybody has played a full a college season or in some cases high school seasons and so the Cardinals want to see who's ready to play how much can they play typically they take it more easy with pitchers but it depends on the player for example last year Michael McGreevy um and Gordon Graceffo were two guys that were drafted. McGreevy, they decided to keep him in the Florida Complex League and just pitch like one inning every fifth day as a starter. Whereas Graceffo had kept playing. He played actually in a collegiate summer league between the end of Villanova's schedule and the draft. And so he was still at a, at a high level of pitch count. And so they moved him into Palm Beach, and Graceffo, you know, pitched a regular starter's workload pretty much for Palm Beach the rest of the year. And that helped him, of course, springboard through Peoria to AA this year. So there's different approaches the first year. It's it's not good to really look at the numbers of any of these guys this partial season, but the idea is to make sure that they're all ready to come to spring training camp for 2023 and be ready to roll. Have you heard any grades about various drafts, and in particular the Cardinals, obviously, but uh, any grades that you've seen come out so far? Well, you know, the grades, they typically, the, the, the evaluators like the, the high-ceiling you know, um, um, high risk type of player. The, the high school players like the Cardinals have taken in, in past years, like the Walkers and the Wins and the Tink Henses, uh, the Dylan Carlsons, the Joshua Baezes, the guys who are raw material that may, you know, potentially become a, an all star down the road. The Cardinals instead went heavy college and went heavy pitching. And so these aren't guys that necessarily excite. Now, certainly nothing against Cooper Jerpy, the first round pick, for example. He's a very good pitcher and, you know, could be a future major league starter. But there aren't, you know, the Cardinals only picked one high school player in this entire draft, which is the first time in years that they haven't gone into the high school ranks at all. And the 20th rounder is the last guy to sign, and the Cardinals have a little less than $400,000 of money to try to convince Gavin Von Kempen of New York to not go to West Virginia University. And so that's kind of the last piece for the Cardinals. So this is a solid and steady draft, but it's not one that, you know, set the needles off across the game. International draft, there's some news with that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Back in the in the last CBA negotiations that everybody painfully remembers dragged on from the winter into the spring and affected the start of the season, one of the aspects of that was that the Players Association and MLB were to sit down and by this uh, by uh, the end of August, the end of July, were to come up with a plan for the international draft. And the whole idea is to stop some of the um, issues that go on where players are signed or 
you know, come to agreements early, uh, situations where agents or Busconis take large amounts of money from the kids. You know, a system that that is rife for corruption for those who want to break the rules. And instead, by instituting a draft, you know, you don't have these predetermined agreements and, you know, everything is structured. But the issue, as it always is, is money. And that is the Players Association wanted the international players to get money that's closer to what is given in the domestic draft. Major League Baseball says, no, these kids are younger. They're 16 years old. They're less proven. You know, we should give them less money out of the gate. And the two sides weren't able to come to agreement on that. Now, as a result, Major League Baseball said, we're going to put the qualifying system for Major League free agents back into place this winter because you, Union, didn't agree to this by this deadline. And what that means is certain MLB free agents will um, – their their sending team will um, – it will cost them a draft pick if the player – I'm sorry, if, if the – if a free agent is able to go into the market, if the team attaches a qualifying offer to the player, the new signing team will lose a draft pick for signing that major league free agent. And that's a system the players don't want. They wanted to get rid of it. But the owner said, hey, you didn't agree to international draft in the time frame we wanted, and therefore we're going to bring this qualifying offer system back. Now, the reality is that deadline isn't a hard deadline. If the, if the groups wanted to continue to negotiate on international draft, they could, and they could come up with something before this winter. Right now, it's the PR battle where the owners came out and said, well, the players don't want to fix the corruptive system. And but well, it's none of that. It's just about money. They can't they can't agree yet about the dollars. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I think it's really a soft date because they're, they're going to make sure and get that thing done before free agency hits next offseason. I'd have to imagine that would happen. Yeah, you would think the players would be motivated, and then the owners are kind of using that as a, as a prod to get the players to agree to terms that they want. And, you know, I, they've agreed on the substantive issues, I think, of how to run the draft. They just need to decide, you know, how much. For example, the Cardinals in their domestic draft um, – uh, got about I think eight and a half million dollars to spend something like that, and in the international draft, you know the the players would like to see comparable money, and the owners are saying, well, no, it should be less. It should be say sixty percent of that, or or something like that. And I don't know what the right number is. We saw crazy money uh, thrown around in the. Um, in the international market in prior years before they clamped down the budgets. And I don't think that makes sense. But it also, you know, you kind of hate to see the market limited for, for players who are, you know, highly talented because the signing bonus is their best chance to get any money for some number of years until they reach the major leagues because, as we've discussed and many others have, the salary that one receives in the minor leagues, no matter where you're drafted, no matter where you're signed, is not a lot of money. It's tough to live on that. So, you know, getting a good signing bonus is important to a lot of these young kids, especially from, you know, backgrounds in uh, you know in, in third world countries where maybe they don't have as much money so here we are uh, a week away under a week away from the trade deadline and when you and I visit next Wednesday what do you think the Cardinals minor league system will look like in terms of some of these big players will they be here or not you know I don't I still am skeptical that they'll pull, be able to pull the trigger on Soto. Um, Washington, there's enough other teams that maybe they don't have the list of prospects the Cardinals have, but they can put up a, put together a package that, that might work. And the Nationals aren't necessarily obligated to trade Soto right now. They can wait till the offseason. We kind of saw with the Nolan Arenado thing. I mean, that was talked about so much, everybody kind of got tired of it. I admit, by the time it really happened, it was like, I, you know, I don't really want to hear it anymore. We've been talking about Nolan Arenado for months. So 
So, the, you know, the Nationals aren't – it's not like Soto's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. So if they don't get the deal they want from the Cardinals or someone else, you know, they'll sit tight and, and see what, you know, happens down the road. But I do think the Cardinals have to go out and try to get some pitching. Um, you know, you talk about it. Everybody talks You can see with your own eyes. And as the injuries continue, it's just, you know, they don't have the enough arms in the rotation and they could use some help in the bullpen as well. So I hope that and I believe that John Mozeliak and Michael Gersh aren't solely focused on Soto and not looking at the pitching market as well. Ryan, I'll wrap it up with this. What's happening at thecardinalnation.com? This would be a good time to go to your site. Yeah, we're getting ready, and uh, this article should be up by tomorrow morning. Um, uh, Blake Newberry and Jake Tweedy, who are our, our prospect analysts, have looked at these players who've been drafted, these 20 players drafted by the Cardinals, and said, where do they fit into our top 50 prospect list? And everybody has a little different opinion of why they put these players where. And I'm, t- I'm talking about Jerpy and Motts and Hanson and the others that were taking this draft. And then I did the same thing. So we have three different views, and then we uh, we've... Um, average the votes together and we're going to talk about where these guys drop into the system i will tell you that jerpy is going to be a top 10 prospect in the system and probably at least the top three will be in the top 20 and again that list could change as you said dan based on uh, what happens in the trademark in the last in the next week hey buddy thanks for doing this as always and uh, should be an interesting week looking forward to catching up next wednesday talk to you then dan that's brian walton of the